Miss Yarrow, the Bursi. Greetings, heathens. Welcome to Hail Satan. This is the podcast exploring Satanism, culture, and life in general through the eyes of modern Satanists. My name is Joseph Rose. I'm a member of the finest independent congregation in the land. We're called Satanic Delco, and we welcome members from anywhere in the world. If you want to learn a little more about that, visit satanicdelco.com. Today, I'm going to focus on one of the core values of outsider Satanism. This time, the focus will be on balance. But before we get to that, let's welcome some cool Satanists that have joined us recently on Patreon. We've got CJ, Cavi, Caitlin, Danny, Deborah, Agnes, Bella, Grandimonicus, Pasha, Wiley, and Mitchell. Thank you all very much. You know I appreciate your support, and really, you make this whole thing possible. So hopefully some of you are starting to get in there and interact with us on Discord and Facebook and everything. Thank you guys very much. If you have a moment out there, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. You'll find links to join me on social media. There's a form to send me an email, and there's a link to join up with us on Patreon. We have a few different tiers to choose from with various benefits, including the amazing Greetings from Hell Satanic Postcard of the Month Club. That is the most direct way you can support me and this show if you'd like to do that. Visit HailSatanPodcast.com. All right. If you've been following along with the show for a bit, you know that we've been exploring and elaborating on outsider Satanism. I'm here to do more of that today. This episode will focus on our value of balance. I wrote an essay expanding on this value, and I shared it with Satanic Delco in order to collect some feedback. So what I'm going to do is read through the essay in its current form, and afterwards I will address some of the feedback that was submitted by members of Satanic Delco. And before I forget, I should remind you all that OutsiderSatanism.com is a thing. These essays all get posted there, and the site will grow over time. So let's get into it. First, the synopsis of our value of balance states, A healthy balance is beneficial to nearly every aspect of our lives. It exists in the space between extremes like abstinence and compulsion. We should avoid arbitrary allegiances in favor of educated decision-making. And now to the essay. Finding a healthy and satisfying balance is both critically important and deceptively difficult. Depending on the circumstances, finding such a balance can mean the difference between winning and losing, joy and depression, or life and death. It's no surprise that in a modern world which is increasingly fast-paced and demanding, so many of us feel overwhelmed and generally out of whack. In fact, According to a 2021 study from Gallup and Wellbeing for Planet Earth Foundation, one-third of people around the world feel that their lives are out of balance. That's nearly two billion of us. 
The reports note that these findings are important because balance is central to people's well-being. When people have balance, they are likely to be calm, grounded, clear-headed, and motivated. As we achieve greater balance, we can expect increased productivity, better decision-making, and healthier relationships, among many other benefits to our general well-being. If there's been one enduring symbolic depiction of balance associated with Satanism over the years, it is Baphomet. The 19th century French author and occultist Eliphas Lévy created what is surely the most well-known visual representation of Baphomet in his book Dogma and Ritual of High Magic in 1854. He also wrote extensively about his concept of balance throughout several of his works. To Lévy, Baphomet was the symbol of the equilibrium or the balance of contraries. He made it a point to emphasize the importance of balance between opposing forces like good and evil, light and darkness, and male and female. While his context was often related to the practice of magic, he believed balance was the way toward harmony and enlightenment. Baphomet is most famously seen with a raised right arm and a lowered left arm. Lévy explains, This sign expresses the perfect harmony of mercy with justice. The right arm includes the Latin word solve written on it, while coagula decorates the left arm. Solve means to loosen and coagula means coagulate or clot. Together in the context of Baphomet, we have a phrase that speaks to breaking apart and putting together. Lévy went on to say, The flame of intelligence shining between his horns is the magic light of the universal balance. The imagery of Baphomet earns its place within outsider Satanism because of this focus on the importance of balance. When Anton LaVey gave birth to modern Satanism in the 1960s, indulgence was integral to his philosophy. That remains true for our outsider Satanism as well. In the Book of Lucifer, Anton included a chapter called Indulgence, Not Compulsion. He wrote, The highest plateau of human development is the awareness of the flesh. Satanism encourages its followers to indulge in their natural desires. Therefore, the most simplified description of the satanic belief is indulgence instead of abstinence. Because of his propensity for being anti-Christian, LaVey typically leaned in whichever direction he perceived to be opposite of Christian values. Christianity places great importance on abstinence, so naturally Anton aimed for indulgence. While LaVey mostly occupied the edgy extremes, this was a rare case where he did manage to find a reasonable balance. Had he not specifically included the not-compulsion part, one might interpret his meaning to be too extreme. Indulgence is the perfect spot between abstinence and compulsion. Would you like to have premarital sex? Would you like to smoke the devil's lettuce and listen to Black Sabbath? Perhaps a glass of wine with dinner? Indulge away, my friend. Indulge without guilt, but indulge responsibly. When you're unable to maintain a healthy balance, your indulgences drift into compulsion or addiction and hurt you and those around you. Things like drugs, alcohol, video games, social media, sex, food, 
and countless other pleasures and pastimes can become harmful if we aren't mindful of that balance. Outsider Satanism is a personal philosophy. It is completely apolitical, which is to say that the philosophy itself does not endorse or align itself with any political party, candidate, or ideology. The values that we prioritize can be applied in countless ways toward a nearly endless list of life situations. When examples of the application of these values involve politics, it's important to remember that it's simply an example of that value being applied to real life, not an endorsement of any kind. Balance is a perfect example of this. One area that illustrates a troubling lack of reasonable balance is American politics. It seemingly moves farther away from such a balance as time goes on. Polarization has become more common and extreme, and bipartisanship is increasingly rare. This continual shift is the result of an increased focus on competing ideologies rather than actual problem-solving. Those on the right are reacting to the left's dangerous culture of censorship and political correctness, and the left is reacting to the restrictions on reproductive rights and insensitivity to minority groups from the right. It's hard to ignore the fact that both sides tend to be short-sighted and reactionary at times. And when the game of reactive, performative politics becomes the norm, it results in the unfortunate polarization that defines our political landscape. The synopsis of our balance value states, we should avoid arbitrary allegiances in favor of educated decision-making. In the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election, Democrats flooded social media platforms with calls to vote blue no matter who. As a registered Democrat for my entire adult life, rarely have I witnessed a more definitive example of arbitrary allegiance. That position is as nuanced as rooting for whichever random football players happen to be temporarily wearing the logo of your hometown team. By the time March of 2020 rolled around, no matter who, in the form of Joe Biden, had reached near-record low approval ratings. When the bar is set so low, that kind of widespread disappointment is inevitable. One possible solution toward improving balance in the political arena may be an increase in centrism. Bill Clinton is widely considered one of our most moderate or centrist presidents, and it should be no surprise that his final approval rating was higher than any other president. While avoiding arbitrary allegiances and working well with both parties, he led the United States through a time of political stability, and economic prosperity. And let's not overlook his lively sunglasses-clad saxophone performance on the Arsenio Hall show back in 1992. One of the most relatable examples comes in the form of our desire for a healthy and rewarding work-life balance. Plenty of folks spend 40 hours per week at their job and then bring the work home to put in another three or four hours per night. Does that leave much time and mental capacity for everything else? Certain areas of life, like family, friends, hobbies, exercise, 
dating, parenting, creative pursuits, leisure time, and general self-care will all surely suffer in a lifestyle so heavily focused on one's job. You may think you're working such long hours to provide for your family, but what exactly are you providing them with? A distracted, inattentive lover. An absentee parent. And yes, some money. There's no denying the importance of money, but when it's disproportionately prioritized, it will come at a cost that goes far beyond the numbers on your bank statement. Without balance, it will take a serious toll on your relationships and on your own mental health. Are there times when a specific project or goal needs to take a temporary boost in priority and focus? Of course, and that's completely reasonable. With balance, there also comes a level of adaptability. If your method of finding balance requires absolute rigidity over long periods of time, it's not likely to be sustainable in a world as fluid and complex as the one we live in. If you rely on strict adherence to schedules, you'll surely find that external factors don't always play along with those schedules. If you have plans to go to the baseball game at 2 p.m. on Saturday and you find that it's raining at that time, your plans have been disrupted by circumstances beyond your control. No matter how clearly it was typed into your schedule, you're going to have to adapt in the moment. Flexibility is crucial to our resiliency or anti-fragility when faced with adversity and increases our ability to recover more quickly from setbacks. It's important to remember that work-life balance isn't defined simply by a number of hours. If you're spending time at the park with your child, but you don't stop using your phone the whole time, are you really at the park with your child? Are you answering work texts and emails while watching a movie with your partner? Make a decision about which things in your life are worthy of undivided attention and act on it. Approaching any task or activity with undivided attention is going to yield better results. This is true for doing math homework, playing a sport, or having sex. Truly living in the moment will provide the best experience for you as well as anyone depending on you. The examples of using the phone and sending emails all still involve a level of physical activity. But even that low level of activity isn't required to distract you from where your focus should be. The distraction can exist entirely in your mind and still be just as detrimental. When maintaining balance becomes something you're conscious of, avoiding those distractions becomes easier. For those with children, balance may often represent walking the line between very strict or overprotective parenting and neglectful parenting. If you're a runner, the intensity of output used in a sprint is sure to lead to failure when applied to a 5K or marathon. You have to find an efficient pace based on the intensity of your output and the distance over which it needs to be sustained. These principles can be applied to our diet and exercise, environmental sustainability, financial responsibility, and countless other areas of our lives and society. I hesitate to say that any one of our values is more important than others, 
but it may be fair to say that balance is the most ever-present and necessary in our lives. It's also important to remember that balance isn't a goal that can be accomplished and simply checked off the to-do list. It's a lifelong walk across the tightrope. It's an ongoing process that requires attention and a constant stream of adjustments and corrections. You may need to lean a bit to one side or the other along the way, but be careful not to lean too far for too long. All right, that is balance. Now I'm going to share and address some of the feedback that came in from members of Satanic Delco. Ryan writes, Just reviewed the essay, and it was quite an enjoyable read. From my perspective, I always tend to migrate towards information from a quantitative state and feel there could be some benefit to include it with the essay. All right, that was just the beginning of Ryan's feedback, and he supplied some good sources of information that did make it into my final draft of the essay. So thank you very much for that, Ryan. I really do appreciate that. Next, we've got Sarah. I really liked your essay and how it included multiple examples of what balance means in different scenarios. I love that you added politics in this because we've lost that balance. I'm a lifelong conservative, now conservative-leaning libertarian, or the friendly conservative, as my very progressive feminist friend calls me. You're absolutely right in the no bipartisanship. It became a blindly vote for your party's pick and have a cult-like allegiance. This struck a chord with me because people hear conservative and automatically think Trump supporter and insults. I'm, quote, baptized Jewish, and I've been told I'm supporting Nazism and I'm a white supremacist. I really don't have any critiques. It's well-written and thought out with points that will resonate with everyone in some way. Ah, yes, the political bit. So, in the earliest draft of this essay, that political example of centrism and Bill Clinton seemed to really stand out to a portion of the readers more than I ever suspected that it would. And the reason it didn't really stand out to me in that way is that, as the essay says, it's just one example of how balance can be applied to a thing in our lives. It doesn't carry any more or less weight than any other possible area where balance could be applied. So when I went back to work on a newer draft, I made sure to press on that idea just a bit more that there is nothing about outsider Satanism or the value of balance that has any direct connection to anything political at all. The political example used in the essay is no more important or special than the parenting example or the running example. Thanks primarily to the Satanic Temple, many people are attracted to Satanism generally, at least in part, because of certain political views. And those people, the type of people who are more tied into politics and have a strong draw to political discourse or are just more interested in politics overall, are going to see things through the lens of politics. It may not apply perfectly here, but there's a well-known proverb referred to as Maslow's hammer, which says, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So to a person who is really touchy about politics, their bias will give weight to the political example that isn't really there. 
for a moment, I really considered removing that example altogether just in order to eliminate even the possibility that someone could misunderstand and make some connection to a specific political viewpoint, despite what felt like a pretty clear disclaimer. But at the end of the day, I just didn't feel like it would be a worthwhile compromise to make in order to cater to whatever percentage of people who wouldn't understand the premise of the example without affiliation. And more than any other, that example really connects to the synopsis of the value that says we should avoid arbitrary allegiances in favor of educated decision-making. Thank you, Sarah. Next, we've got Aaron. I just finished reading your essay for the first time this morning and immediately reread it. There are a lot of thought-provoking ideas that you put forward. I also want to preface the feedback I have by saying that it's always infinitely easier to critique than it is to create. The idea of balance in a Satanist life holds some very interesting implications to me, but it feels as though we're exploring two ideas simultaneously in this essay. One obviously being balance, and the other being consciousness, focus, awareness. Starting with the paragraph where you introduce LeVay's ideas and running through the end of the essay, there are a number of references to awareness, attention, and intentional focus that don't fit well in a discussion of balance, in my opinion. Both are fantastic satanic values. I believe we should be living our lives with eyes wide open and maintain a watch to ensure that we don't become consumed by any one point of view or habit of life. If I were responsible for cultivating the philosophy of outsider Satanism, which I'm not, lol, I would summarize balance as the ability to walk between multiple worldviews and ways of being without becoming consumed by any particular one, taking the useful and eschewing what isn't a central value of Satanism to me. The simultaneous holding of seemingly contradictory ideas is sometimes necessary for survival. This is unavoidably human. However, as Satanists, we should be striving toward living with single-mindedness. Hopefully you don't find this harsh to any degree. That's the complete opposite of my intentions. All right, Aaron. First of all, who the fuck do you think you are coming at me like that? I am kidding. I absolutely do not find any of it harsh. And of course, I welcome your feedback. You're right that there is a decent bit of focus on awareness, attention, and intentional focus in there. And it's completely reasonable that one could find a way to connect to them directly as satanic values. In the context of their use in the essay, they serve as tools or methods to help find greater balance. So I don't see any conflict in their use, of course, not that you did. All of these behaviors and mindsets are tools. We use them where they're appropriate in ways that can lead to improvements in our lives. So they're all going to cross paths here and there. You're going to use attention and focus on your way to balance, and you'll use balance and other things all throughout your pursuit of knowledge and so on. I don't have a strong feeling just yet about holding contradictory ideas or living with single-mindedness. I don't immediately agree but I certainly don't immediately disagree. I would need to explore some context and think about those, but I definitely appreciate the feedback. Thank you, Aaron. BT says, I wanted to let you know that I read your essay 
and I truly can't think of anything that I would add or remove from it. I think it was thoughtfully written and encompasses so many of the things that comes to my own mind when I think of balance. What I can do, however, is offer a point of view explaining how what you wrote applies to me. I am relatively new to Satanism, and once I discovered what that meant, it was all too obvious to me at that moment. I had been a Satanist for as long as I could remember, but never knew it had a term that I could apply. Initially, I ran into TST during my dive into Satanism, but was not really interested in all the activism, even though I fully support women's reproductive rights and every form of alternative lifestyles, including LGBTQ and so on. I could address the tenets, but they are so obvious to me. They're a direct reflection of how I live my life. I turned then to the Church of Satan, the Satanic Bible, and their accompanying books. A lot of my values aligned there, but I could tell that there was still a big disconnect. Even though Satanism as a religion was defined with a certain vision in mind, I don't feel that it should be locked in with steadfast rules. During this whole process of figuring out what Satanism truly means to me, I discovered Satanic Delco. I've been listening to the show for about 10 months, and I was on the fence about joining the group officially out of fear of feeling tied to something political, which I'm strongly against. Politics play zero part in my life. I have as many left-leaning ideas as I have right, so I'm a political abomination in theory. I absolutely love the show, and what I found was that you have a very broad view of the world much like I do. Once I heard the cultural appropriation episode, I was sold. I honestly feel that I have found another level of balance through Satanism as a whole and through Satanic Delco specifically because it provided the exact balance I needed in Satanism. Thank you for elaborating on such a relevant subject. Well, shit, man, that is really nice to hear. I think every community goes through different phases and has ups and downs over time. And I think Satanic Delco is in a pretty good place right now And the discussions related to outsider Satanism play a role in that. The fact that we're having these discussions in a truly interactive way is really helpful. How different would the Satanic Bible or the Seven Tenets be if you were able to have some input during their creation? I think we have a really unique situation. Outsider Satanism makes Satanic Delco better, and Satanic Delco makes outsider Satanism better. Thank you, BT. Next, Kirsten wrote several questions here. First, on indulgence and compulsion. How do we recognize the difference between indulgence and compulsion? It seems very easy to indulge a little too much and stumble into the danger zone before it's too late. I'm going to go right on to her next question, and maybe I can address them together. On work-life balance. It feels like everyone is in burnout mode these days. Work all day and go home to more work. We recognize there's a lack of balance, but it feels out of our control to fix it. How can we break out of this feeling of defeat and helplessness to find a sustainable balance? Okay, there is mention of everyone being in burnout mode. According to the statistics cited in the essay, about one-third of people find that they are out of balance. And that is a lot, but it also doesn't feel like a surprising number. Another way of saying it is that two-thirds of people do feel like they have a good balance. So it's certainly a common and doable thing for most people. The first step of the process is recognizing that there's a problem. 
obviously the feeling of being out of balance is subjective and a very individual thing. From the outside, someone in your life might see the signs of something being off and bring it up to you. But at the end of the day, you have to feel it. You have to acknowledge that something is wrong. Once you do that, it works like problem solving in any other area of your life. You need to prioritize it and devote some time to thinking about it and sifting through some of the possible options and areas that should be adjusted to your benefit. The question also said, it feels out of our control to fix it. When that's the case, you have to decide if you really believe that we have free will here on earth or not. Either you believe that there is some external force limiting you or not. And if there's not, you have free will, and the only thing stopping you is you. Some people live their lives with the general attitude that life is a thing that is happening to them. They're in the back seat, just a passenger on a ride. They have excuses. They are really good at identifying problems and really bad at identifying solutions. And then there are other people who can't, won't, and don't accept that mindset, regardless of the seemingly insurmountable, unfortunate circumstances they may have been born into. Right now, think of some wildly successful people. It could be anyone, uh, an actor, an inventor, an athlete, an author, any person out there who is kicking ass in life, and who you admire. Which camp do you think they fit into? Do you think they have the view of being in the backseat as life happens to them? Or at some point along the way, did they have to fucking dig deep, make sacrifices, and take risks to get where they are now? And since we're working within the context of Satanism here, What immediately comes to mind is Anton LaVey's responsibility to the responsible. That's his concept that emphasizes personal accountability and self-reliance. It suggests that people should take responsibility for their own actions and the consequences that arise from those actions. It rejects the notion of externalizing blame or relying on others to solve your problems. It's basically a call for personal empowerment and the rejection of victimhood, which I believe is extremely important. But if I were to hold anyone's hand and walk them through the process, I would suggest all of the normal stuff. Talk to a therapist. Do research. Talk to people around you. But specifically, I would limit it to talking to people who at least outwardly appear to have their shit together more than you do. You wouldn't ask an obese person for fitness advice, so don't ask your friend who is kind of a disaster for advice on how to better get your life in order. But maybe, most importantly, spend quality time with yourself. Dig deep and find what you're looking for in there, Decide if you're willing to accept being the passenger or if you want to take the wheel. Kirsten goes on, on undivided attention. As a person with ADHD, 
Paying attention to only one thing at a time is incredibly difficult. I find that I need multiple sources of stimulation, and when forced to give my undivided attention to one thing, my mind wanders into the abyss to find some other thing to think about quietly instead of out loud. My math homework isn't better when I'm only doing my math homework, and it's much easier to focus when there's music or television or other background stimuli. How can I balance this need for additional input with the needs of others? Okay, you're absolutely right that parts of life can often be extremely difficult. I personally find that many aspects of life are extremely difficult. In fact, I can hardly think of many things that come easily, at least for me. There are days and weeks and years that feel like a nearly constant struggle. I can definitely relate to those feelings. You started off there with a mention of ADHD, which is a medical condition. It's a neurodevelopmental disorder. Being a paraplegic is also a medical condition. I can tell a paraplegic, hey man, just get up and run. If you try hard enough, you can do it. Don't be a quitter. Well, that's not going to work. The reality in life is that sometimes you just don't have it. Some people are never going to be able to do whatever certain thing. Sometimes it's a lack of effort or determination. Sometimes it's because of a truly insurmountable medical condition. And I'm sure there are some other reasons too. So if the question here boils down to how do I overcome a medical condition the most responsible answer I can give is, I have no idea. That is the realm of medical professionals. I don't know how to treat or overcome ADHD any more than I know how to cure cancer. But I would highly advise people who have a condition that is affecting their lives to talk to multiple doctors. And not just a second opinion. If it's important enough, get seven opinions. Do research. Find doctors and therapists who specialize in your area of need and start doing the work. Read 12 fucking books on the topic if you have to. This is where the put in the work if you really want results part comes into play here. Thoroughly exhaust every option you have available to you. If you haven't exhausted every option you have available to you, then it falls back on you. And this is another area where balance plays a role. Your actions will reflect how important solving a certain issue is. You will pretty naturally find the balance of how important it is to you in connection with the amount of effort it would require. If it's less important to you, maybe one book and one doctor are what feels appropriate. It's up to each of us to figure all of that out for ourselves. Thank you, Kirsten. Alexandra writes... I have attached a Google Doc that has quotes from your essay with my responses right underneath them. In addition to my comments, I just wanted to say that I think you are a very neat and easy-to-read writer. You use good everyday examples that people can relate to while also digging deeper beyond what's on the surface of whatever it is you're explaining. I hope you write more of these essays, and you have inspired me to start thinking about writing my own. All right, so Alexandra wrote quite a bit. So I don't think I should read it all on here, 
but it was very thoughtful and I appreciated all the feedback very much. I've read it a couple of times so far, and I will definitely be writing more of these essays. I currently have plans for six more of them, but we'll see how it goes. Thank you very much, Alexandra. And finally, Jody writes in, I'd like to start off by saying I love this essay. In reading it, something that stood out to me was the repetitive use of the title word balance. It certainly does emphasize the focus, but for some reason, it poked at my lizard brain as I read. I love a thesaurus, but also know that alternative words or phrases can sound douchey real quick. So take that at your own discretion, and maybe you can create a better balance of wording. I thoroughly admire your ability to convey and articulate your ideas so well in your writing. I think it is evident in the podcast as well as with this essay. Yet again, you have me nodding along, feeling as if someone has taken the words out of my mouth, while at the same time provoking a new and intriguing perspective. Thank you, Jody. Yeah, I suppose I did use the word quite a bit. I didn't think to use different synonyms for it because... Not only was it the primary word to convey the message, but also because it's the title of the specific value of the essay. But hopefully it wasn't too distracting. And I think that's it for balance right now. I got a bunch of great feedback on this, and I read all of it. This essay and others are up on OutsiderSatanism.com. And, of course, the conversations are ongoing within Satanic Delco. So, if you've got a moment out there, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. Stay safe out there, and Hail Satan!